back. You're listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here with Nick Antonucci, Jacob Keen, and although you might not know it, Buster Bruton He's is on here. the show as well. Buster's, I'm still Buster's here. here. Hey, how about that? Hey, he Buster. even found his voice. His microphone works. Buster, how about that? All right. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that was a good dog, though. I like that. I mean, I, the only thing that I wish that was different is that Jacob still didn't believe that it was a real ad that he could really it wasn't a real woman so my bid is not actually good wait what part of it wasn't real the woman none of it jacob it was not (laughs) real you cannot buy it well so the woman shouldn't buy a girlfriend online you shouldn't Shouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh where do you buy conversations to have tonight what do you buy them in a store brick and mortar Jacob, what is brick and mortar? You, you might want to back away from your financial analytics for just a few minutes every evening. Uh, Go home and work on your personality and see if you might attract one that way. Okay. All right. G- give that a try. All right. So if you uh, have financial questions for you, we'd love to hear from you. Um, you can reach us by calling our question hotline, 1-855-429-9166. Uh, the way it works, you leave a voicemail, including your question. We play the question on the air and uh, answer your question live right behind it. Uh, If you prefer to call and speak to a human, you can get us at 770-429-9166. They'll route you to the proper channels, and uh, and you can leave the question with them. Or you can email us at drgene at hensler.com. That's spelled D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. You can also go to our website, which I mentioned earlier, Hensler.com, H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R again. So, uh, guys, uh, there's there's a good question here, and especially on the the uh, news of the markets this week. David from Woodstock uh, emailed us and said, uh, so despite all the economic data that has been coming out uh, the, that's been positive, there has been a lot of that, um, I see uh, this undertone of negative expectations from nearly every pundit, fund manager, and TV talking head. Uh, I get the feeling that finance industry people are worried about the market turning quickly. Uh, Should the average investor be expecting a harsh nosedive? Well, I mean, to say no after this week would be kind of uh, short-sighted, but I think what happens is when everything is perfect, uh, you know, it's kind of like there's a commercial on right now, a lady sitting on her couch. She says, it's quiet. Listen to that. And then she says, oh, wait a minute, it's too quiet. That's kind of what the financial world seems to be doing at the moment. And, uh, you know, things do seem really well. We've got, as we've already mentioned, unemployment, very low. Uh, we've got uh, wages rising faster than inflation. People are feeling wealthier, so the consumer is doing great. Feeling great. Um, Companies are growing earnings. They are. We've seen 25-plus percent earnings growth in the last couple of quarters. Tax reform. Tax reform. Your taxes have been lowered. Uh, yeah. You know, we can go on and on about this. Right? Look at the business activity indicators. They've yeah. been blowout. Right. Consumer confidence. So really the, Crazy problem, high. the problem with us, I think, is, and us, I'm saying financial analysts in general, not, not just the, the you know, those that work at Hensler Financial. Uh, the the problem is when you're the king of the hill, there's only one direction to go. Yeah. Sure. And, and that's what it feels somewhat like we're playing. So, you know, over the past few months, really, since January, we've been keenly uh, watching, not you, Jacob, keen. Mm. Uh, I'm saying keenly as in. As in like me. Know, 
Yeah, okay, if you say so. I'm, I'm in a, frustrated. In, in a way, in, like in a way you're, you are doing a verb in a way that I would do said verb. So I did it keenly. Yes. Yeah, perfect. That's Thank what you. that means. Uh, yeah, well, we got a new definition today. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so so what we've been doing is watching several indicators that we know have been uh, pretty good, uh, I guess, warning signals. Harbingers of doom. Is like, Harbingers of doom. Is I like, wouldn't have put it that oh, way. Okay, never mind. If you insist. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, so so uh, what's going on now? I mean, probably I'll one of it. the biggest things. We, we just talked about we think that uh, interest rates climbing higher is what we've gotten. Right. That that uh, some folks are worrying about. We're but a year a steep, into. You've seen a steepening. Of, you talk about yields moving higher, but you've also seen a steepening of the yield. Right, curve. which generally benefits financial right. companies, especially banks. And moving away from, you know, two, three weeks ago, people were saying, oh, we're going to get that yield curve inversion. You had significant flattening. We right. got down to 20 basis points. It was maybe just slightly less than that. So 0.2% the difference between the 10-year yield on the Treasury and the Two-year Treasury yield, uh, that's pretty flat. Uh, but now we've steepened, not by a significant amount. I think it's like 24, 25 basis points is about what we've got at the moment, right? Um, so it's still relatively flat on the yield curve, but uh, rates are higher. Uh, we've got this thing that's been going on for a year now. October, this this month, marks a year since we started quantitative tightening in the U.S., something we've never seen right. before. Right. Um, you know, is this spike higher in in, in uh, the long term interest rate part of that? Uh, probably Could be. one of yeah. I mean, Could be. Jacob, that's almost the perfect answer. Instead of uh, you know where where uh, accountants who always uh, give us their old two word answer, it depends. Uh, when you look at the financial markets, it's hard to say exactly one thing that might trigger a sell-off right. or might trigger a run-up, yeah. and and that's kind of where that's, we are. But we think it's interest rates. That's, yeah, I, I mean, you're, you're talking about the QT. Looking at the auctions that we've had recently, they have not graded out well. So uh, th- there's something going on there. The other thing that I mentioned to you earlier in the week is the, the tax dedu- deductibility of the pension catch-up payments right. stopped in September of this year. Yeah, so, so corporations aren't corporations being corporations might have been really active in the fixed income market yeah. up until September mm-hmm. and then once that rolled off. So as far as why rates are moving I'm I mean it couldn't it, it could be knock on effects of, you know, the most recent Fed meeting we had where they removed the accommodative um, word from the uh, report that they gave. Right, yeah, and uh, you know, that makes everybody a little more nervous to understand exactly what they mean by the removal. I mean, it's not that they said something. They just took something out they said previously. Well, what I think is interesting is like days like yesterday, you're not seeing the same thing happen today, but days like yesterday, you had both assets. You had bonds and stocks. Wednesday, right? Yeah, Yeah, Wednesday. Yeah. and that's So it's not even like you saw the money flowing out of stocks into into bonds. For me, me, I mean, that is somewhat concerning because we've had 30 years now where the Inverse correlation between stocks and bonds is held, but are we on the cusp of a different regime where you could potentially have investors that are invested in both stocks and bonds that yeah. are losing on both ends? That's that's not. 
Well, we've seen that happen before, though. It's always short, short term. term yeah. right? And, right. and it did I guess that, that makes sense because the, the Fed is going to respond. The Fed is going to respond at some point. Yeah, so I, I don't think it's just rates that, that, that you know, a lot of the pundits are worried about. I mean, the no. conversation goes way beyond that. I mean, yeah. you when are you going to say China? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say emerging markets for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the, chi- the data out of China is not look good. Not good at all. And the leverage all. that they have that they have reached, the level of leverage is just unbelievable at this point. Yeah, it, it depends. It, it depends on who you ask. But the debt to GDP that they're at, it might be a high 200s. It might be as high as high 300s. Some of the right. some of the issues that they have is as as they work to rein in some of the credit, and this is this hasn't just happened in China, but it's happened in the U.S. too. Right. A lot of a lot of the credit has gone outside the banking system. You have more of these yeah <laughs> wealth management type products and in, in, in private equity firms. Private that are equity is offering huge. Offering credit to these corporations, well. That's well, not we've within, even heard right. about that here locally with businesses. Sure. Yeah, it's anecdotal, but uh, you know, I've I've talked to some. Uh, to some home builders that have that have instead of going to the bank decided that they would just sell an equity stake in their business. Right. Uh, so you know while it is equity, they're still getting a, a rate. And the biggest thing is they can close it so much more quickly than all yeah. the red tape that goes yeah. along with a bank loan. So yeah. uh, you know one of the things that I saw this week that was a little bit disconcerting. You know you talk about uh, China leverage um, and. Big news story. Uh, they've decided that they're going to add to their list of companies that they consider too big to fail. Right. That doesn't sound like somebody that's setting up for hmm. great growth. That sounds like just the opposite to me. Right. Yeah. So you know, I don't think I don't think we've ever seen in 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 the history of the universe a country that's able that's been able to grow credit at this rate and not have some form of hard landing. I mean, the the most recent was, uh, well, I guess probably the most historic was Japan, where remember at, at one point it was like the emperor's palace was worth more than like, I forget what country, like yeah. just, the, it was like a half acre of land, like well, the speculation and the growth in credit got so absurd that it, it just, it had, it had to bust. There's right. no, there's you, no way around it. If you look, and Japan was in this cycle right about the 1920s, so this was uh, this was a time when uh, everything else in the world was falling apart. And guess what? Japan got to miss the Great Depression. I uh, got a question here, and we just as well dive right in. Dean from Brazelton says, "I've heard of Class A shares and Class B shares of common stock, uh, but now I've seen the same for mutual funds. Uh, what is this, and is this new?" It is not new. Uh, multiple share classes have been around for quite some time, I believe. Yeah. But more or less what you need to be watching for when you're choosing your share classes, the fees and, and the loads that are associated with each one. Yeah, you it's, can not like, it's not like a common stock where you get votes. Voting or no rights vote. or non-voting, no, no. So what you want to look at, Morningstar.com is a great um, asset to, to, to use to find out what you're paying in fees and what sure. the load might be. But it, let's say you're looking at A shares versus B shares. A shares might have a lower fee or a higher fee with no load. B shares might have a lower fee, uh, but no load, or I'm sorry, but with a load, sorry. Yeah, right. So you want to be watching those two things, the expense ratio and is there a load associated? Yeah, minimums are a lot lot different quite often, right? Sure. So, uh, you know, you might have a really low expense ratio for the same portfolio, uh, but in reality, you got to invest a million dollars. And, you know, as we were talking, mutual funds really aren't the 
the uh, the perfect place for those with uh, uh, a lot of money to go. But if it's a, a smaller amount, it gets you a portfolio really quickly, right? Yeah, right. absolutely. All right, so uh, you can you can dig around a little bit, uh, as Nick said, on the internet and get a get a good uh, fix for what is uh, different about the different share classes. So. Uh, there you go, Dean. Uh, got another question here. Steve from Vining says, I wanted to get your opinions on Grubhub. Uh, I know it has a high price-to-earnings ratio, but I feel everything is high right now. Eh, maybe not in the last week or so. we got a, a buying opportunity potentially. Um, maybe we can talk about that in a minute too. Uh, I like their momentum and uh, see analysts still consider it a very strong buy. So, um you know, Steve, we got, uh, I would agree with you to some degree, um, probably the most attractive thing about this stock is the fact that revenue is growing at 39%. That's pretty awesome. Uh, if you look at uh, expected long-term growth, uh, which is three to five years usually is what we figure here, 24.4% uh, growth in earnings is expected. Uh, stock like that is probably going to net you a uh, Pretty big PE ratio, and in this yeah. case, it's huge, 98.6. Yeah, it's, it's really Plus. high, and, and the problem I have with it is something that, that Jacob and I talk about a lot, economic moat, right? You have Grubhub. They're essentially a food delivery service. So who, They are. What's to keep anybody from yeah. jumping into the space? And I the can barriers, see that. barriers to entry are fairly low, and it's a pretty competitive space. You've got Grubhub. You've got DoorDash. You've got Uber Eats, Postmates. That's Four, I can name you. And there's probably eight seconds. being yeah. started right now. Yeah, uh, Zifty is another one. There's plenty I'm, of them. I'm, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of at odds with that take, because I do think if you look back to the sort of platform type businesses, the Amazons and Netflixes of the world, I mean they didn't really have a moat when they first started either, but they did have a first mover advantage, and I think Grubhub being started in 1999. It does have a, a bit of a first mover advantage. Sure. And their relationship with Yelp is definitely worth something. In fact, they acquired Yelp's E24 business, which was their delivery business. Right. There is a revenue share going on there. Um, and, and Yelp's found some success, you know, in, in that space. I, I don't know how you guys feel about Yelp, but I, I feel like it's kind of the go-to if I'm looking for a restaurant. So. If yeah, you already have that absolutely. association and maybe, hey, I'm looking for, I don't know what I want to eat. Hey, I'm looking for a restaurant, uh, but I don't really feel like driving. You know, it's kind of a natural transition. But still, at the end of the day, at what is 85 times earnings, it's kind of priced to perfection. Uh, they're going to have to execute in what's a really difficult market. Yeah. And it's probably one of the most discretionary <laughs> items a consumer can buy, right? You're not ordering takeout for, what, less than like 20 bucks a meal? I mean, you're spending 20 bucks a meal, you're feeling pretty good about your yeah. financial condition. For sure. Right. Yeah, when you can eat uh, so, at a fast food place for well under 10 bucks, you're yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I, I, I've got good things to say about it, but I, I don't think the I don't think the price makes sense. Yeah, there's a couple of things that, that I would mention, and, and it's kind of to your point, Jacob, uh, it, you know, there, there's going to be some consolidation here. The weak players are going to get either bought or they're going to get get pushed into bankruptcy, uh, just pushed out of the marketplace. Grubhub uh, currently owns Seamless, 
And not only that, uh, Yum Brands bought a 200 million stake in the company in February of this year. So uh, that, to me, uh, when one of the food, uh, yeah. especially a yeah, Yum Brands—that's Taco Bell, right? KFC, uh, KFC and uh, Pizza Hut is it? Pizza, Pizza Hut, Hut, yeah. And Pizza so Hut. you know, you've got uh, you've got those three brands that have already kind of weighed in, saying more or less, you know, they don't have a stake in anything else. Any of the other uh, providers, plus you said you know Yelp, and they've they've uh, partnered with Yelp a little yeah. bit. So uh, if anybody is is ahead of the curve, I would say it has to be Grubhub. If you really want to be in the middle of that space, that's the one to do. I, I would, I it would be a struggle for me to hold my nose and go past that price. I still, I, so I, I associate it almost with the the onset of these meal delivery services like oh, the, the prepackaged meals. Yeah, but yeah. the economics Blue, are Blue Apron, so the economics are so much better for a platform business like that. Blue Apron actually has to, you know, create and uh, manufacture a product. True. Yeah, you're right. It's basically Grubhub it's is a basically just a marketplace. And I think the, what's most attractive about this space is if you if you fast forward, you know, a decade, half a decade, whenever it happens, but you have Vehicle autonomy, think about the margins of something that's entrenched with consumers, has, you know, the tangible asset of a strong brand that basically the way we talk about Uber, hey, I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to call, call an Uber. Like no one says I'm going to call a, a car. Yeah. They say I'm going to call an Uber. You can, if you can stumble into that in Grubhub, then maybe it's worth the 85, but like I said, the 85 times earnings, but like I said, that's priced kind of assuming that all that happens. Yeah. Well, you bring up Uber being such a strong brand. They're a competitor of this company as well. Uber Eats, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, there are others in the market, uh, but it it does look like uh, others uh, in the food industry are throwing a little bit of weight behind Grubhub. So, uh, you know, in, in my opinion, that matters for something. I think, I think when I was looking at Grubhub as well, as far as the actual, the actual price point that, the delivery cost, they, uh, the the study I had was showing like eight major cities. It was among the cheapest, if not the cheapest, across those major cities as far as what the actual delivery fee was. Yeah, wow. Do you know, do they earn money off the sale as well as the delivery fee? I assume that a part of the sale price is shared uh, with them. I, I I don't know if it's a royalty or a license. Okay. I think it might be a license, licensing model and that... that Basically, the companies pay to list on their service, if that makes sense, yeah. plus they collect yep. a delivery fee. I don't know. I'd have to read more into that. All right. So in the middle of this question, I, I did throw out something, and why don't we talk about it real quick? We just have a minute left. Uh, is this a buying opportunity? Do you guys uh, have an opinion on that? Uh, we see a we see a pretty big protracted sell-off. It's not to the level of 10% as we uh, speak, but uh, reality is um, – you know, we uh, Nick, you threw out the the uh, average five percent decline uh, two to three years. I mean, two to three per year. We usually have a ten percent decline on average uh, every year. Uh, do you guys think that you should wait, or what are you saying on that? Me personally, um, kind of goes back to what we talked about the key, you know, economic indicators that we haven't seen really start to slip yet. And sure. For that reason, at this point, I think I would I would take it as a buying opportunity. Yeah, I wouldn't I, throw, you know, all everything all the dry powder you have at it, but yeah. 
Wouldn't so be you, scared to buy some. So you thinking the market's up or down this week? Jacob? It'd be tough to be up. I'd say down. All right. I'd next still week. Stay up. Next week. Uh, all right. Thanks for listening to Money Talks. We'll catch you next week. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.